Welcome to the Eyes of Indigo with your infinitely curious hosts, Iris Carter and Margot Ross Sears. Tonight's episode is The Looking Glass, Part 2, recorded October 7th, 2020. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Eyes of Indigo, and tonight's program is The Looking Glass, where it's a part two. Uh, last week, um, we opened it up so that people could ask me questions and I could share a little bit, and then this week it's Margot's turn, and I see Randy Hobbs is on board. Your- on us and my sister Deborah. Hello. Hello. Uh, I took care of the YouTube lag, so hopefully we won't have that problem. We're you know getting all the little kinks worked out. <laughs> and uh so we're glad to have y'all here. Um we got several people and sometimes it takes a few minutes for others to recognize and get on but Margo has been I'll just use the generic term psychic all her life. Um, and and she's got a long list of things that, you know, she can do, which is really cool. Skills. Yes. <laughs> she's got skills. I got so, skills. <laughs> uh, Angie, I don't know what the problem is. You can't hear us. Hello, Tara. Tara. She can't hear you. Can you write back? Hey, Tara, can you write back uh, to Angie yeah. and tell her to to reboot? Reboot, uh, honey. <laughs> and Angie, Angie, reboot. 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 <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know the it's a sign language for <laughs> reboot. <laughs> okay. There yeah. you go. Thank you, Angie. Restart. Reboot. There you go. Good job. So, yeah, if you have to back out and come back in. <laughs> coming in, coming out. <laughs> and so, we right. yeah, um, but we were glad that we had everybody. Oh, good. And she's good now. All right. Yay. Um. So what we wanted to do tonight was to kind of see Margot's side of things and let you talk about some of your experiences and a little bit of history and I'll monitor the questions uh, coming in. So if y'all have questions, I'll, I'll feed them to her. So let's Miss Margo. Yay. (laughs) Jazz hands. Yeah. So, so I can throw you a little bit of background. I am. God knows how old am I, right? And this, and this timeline, <laughs> in this time officially, I'm 53. But I've been doing this intuitive work, sensing what people were thinking and feeling, and literally what their akashic record was uh, since I was a child, and probably since I was like a toddler and all, and maybe even in infancy, which kind of makes sense. But one story I like telling that shows that I did this um, often as a child was I was about two or three years old in Greensboro, North Carolina. My parents were school teachers and my dad was a a high school art teacher. And back in 69, 70, which is when that was, students, high school students visited 
their art teachers at home and they hung out with them kind of like, you know, you did in college. And so the high school kids were doing that too. And my parents had a party uh, one night and I was already off to bed in my cute little onesie footsies pajamas. And for reasons that I don't know, I, I probably I could hear them laughing. And I do remember that hearing people, a lot of people talking and laughing and the energy going up. So I wandered out. I climbed out of my crib and I wandered into the living room and there were people, young people sitting on all the couches and chairs. And my parents were sitting on one side of the room, too. And they were all drinking and smoking and laughing and all that other happy stuff. And I remember there was one man, total stranger to me, but a young man sitting on the sofa kind of by himself, but there was a, a friend or two bes beside him. And I wasn't, and I mean, I was a friendly child, but I wasn't the kind that would go up and talk to just anybody stranger, you know, impulsively talk to, you know, go, run up and grab a stranger. Although some kids do that nowadays and it's really cool, but, um, but I would talk to anybody that would talk to me. In this case, I went up to him, climbed up in his lap and sat on his lap. And my parents were like, that's weird. <laughs> and it, they were like, she never does that. And he had a full beard and a mustache. He had black hair and a black beard and a t-shirt. I remember that. And I kept putting, my parents tell me this story too. And I only vaguely remember it myself, but I put my hand on his chest and I kept patting on his chest and I kept saying, it's okay. It's okay. She didn't mean it. It's okay. And everybody was like, hey, cute little kid. And he's like, um, nice little girl. Uh, yeah, kind of weird. And, and he was like, ha ha. And, um, my parents, you know, said, we'll take her off of you. And he's like, no, 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 she's <laughs> chuckle, chuckle. She's just being a little girl, pat, pat. And I just sat there and smiled at, at him and I kept, and I put my hand back on his chest and I said, no, really, it's, it's okay. You, you be okay. And he started crying and it occurred to him what I was doing and his buddy who was a, who was another, who was a woman sitting beside him said, dude, is she talking about your girlfriend? And he said, I think she is. And, of, and he starts, since he started crying that my parents went, okay, that's enough. And they picked me, you know, they didn't need a weird, you know, the, a student crying all over their infant child <laughs> for no <laughs> reasons they didn't understand. <laughs> my little prophet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, yeah, and if you're going to get really weird, we really need to pull our child away from you. <laughs> thank God. And thank God for that. Oh, I got another one. I just remembered another story that was kind of like that, but <clears throat> where they didn't uh, attend to me like that. But anyway, <laughs> it's kind of funny. But he, they they pulled her off of me and, you know, they were like, what's the deal? And the guy was crying. He's like, it's OK. It's OK. My girlfriend just broke up with me today and I'm still feeling it. I'm still getting over it. And his pal beside him, you know, was, you know, Pat, you know, was patting him on the back and stuff like that. So apparently I tuned into that and I was trying to tell him it's OK. She didn't mean to hurt you. It's OK. 
I was trying to wow. pat him. Now, that was when I was about two, two and a half years old. The That's other story I'll, I'll tell you, remind me to tell you the story if it come, if we got time uh, about Tweetsie Railroad. No, you got to tell us now. Um, so Y'all, if you have questions that you want Margot to answer, do. I think uh, Randy started us off with a big one up at the top. Oops, sorry. You guys are uh, I apologize. It's way uh, up at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. How are the beings who are keeping in contact with me wanting me to use my talents to make the most of my life? And how can I access to utilize my abilities from past lives now and know why they are? All right. So for those of you that aren't familiar, I tap into the guides that are around you. I basically call myself an eavesdropper. I also tune into your Akashic record and I listen to your spirit guides. I listen to your uh, ancestors if they happen to show up. And I tune into your energy, you know, your chakras and your aura. I'm a Reiki master teacher as well, which that just honed it even more. So right now I'm listening to, I'm tuning into Randy's guides. And they keep showing me, Randy, they keep showing me pictures of you going out and putting something into the earth. You're, you're kneeling on the ground like in a garden setting and it's almost like you're planting stuff like you're putting in seedlings or flowers or something like that and that would work if you did that but honestly i'm seeing other things sprout up besides plants it, there's light shooting up okay there's lasers there's sparkles there's something but what they're showing me is what you're putting in the earth actually goes by itself the energy goes down for miles and miles into the earth and it eventually is affecting the whole globe not just the little area that you're working in okay they're also showing me that as you plant this stuff and give it time you know to time to grow and nurture Music, i.e. you singing, you humming, you playing an instrument, you drumming, you playing recordings, something, any kind of music, playing wind chimes, chanting, humming, uh, you know, a, a, a Tibetan singing bowl or a crystal bowl, any kind of music accelerates the process. All right. Even you thinking about music, thinking about favorite chants, thinking about favorite songs that accelerates the process but they're showing me that there's something about you are being given technology and this might be in an abstract sense but eventually it's going to show up as physical stuff there's something you're putting in the earth that eventually reverberates out through the earth now the reason it's so con well a couple of you can see a little bit but some of the reasons that's so uh complicated and vague and it seems like they're just feeding you bits and pieces that aren't connected is because the technology and the stuff that you're going to do is so complex that they have to feed it to you bit by bit instead of dumping the whole story on you all at once the human brain is not designed to carry that kind of that much information 
that far from the future, so to speak, because this is both spiritual and technological. All right. The work you're going to be doing is mostly going to hit its heyday in roughly four to six years. So count on five years. You could speed it up and hit it in four, but you're literally being downloaded now with what seems like disparate pieces of information, but really it's not disparate. It's going to all come together and make sense like a gigantic freaking puzzle. And yeah, go ahead and learn about horticulture and, and plants or flowers or um, technology that, that like temperature or, or seismic, seismology or anything that's you know, technology touching earth. I mean, there's tons of different things. Go do research, you know, volca you know volcano uh, eruption stuff, whatever. Plug into that level of awareness about technology and earth and you know, geo, geothermal stuff, stuff like that. Uh, go to Hawaii, <laughs> volcano heaven, all right? Or, or go to you could go to Washington State and Seattle, you know, and uh, Mount St. Helens, or uh, oh Yellowstone. Wow, ooh, ooh, jump, 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 big, 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 big. Um, isn't Iris? Isn't it Yellowstone that it's the giant caldera? Yeah, the yeah. Whole, whole park is is a volcano. I is it yellow? Yeah, it's either Yellowstone or the other one, the other big national park. Uh, but anyway, the one that's a giant caldera. Okay, and I'm pretty sure it's Yellowstone. Uh, yeah, that, that would be a that would be an epicenter kind of place for you. Um, if you decided you ever wanted to move some a, a town or a city that's on the periphery of that national park would make you really happy because that's the energy connecting to the earth because the earth is trying to do something at that location. All the geysers, they would make you so happy, all the animals. And the scientists that work there and live there all the time and, and commute there from all over the world, they would be your people. And in about five years, this will all gel. Until then, I'm talk it sounds like I'm talking nonsense. <laughs> but I'm I'm used to that. <laughs> and years and years of doing this. Lee <laughs> Crandall Carter mentioned Old Faithful in the Grand Canyon. Old Faithful, yes. Yes, is is inside that park. And the Grand Canyon. Uh, yeah, that would be another place where technology and ooh, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lee. Um, ancient technology was used in the Grand Canyon, so yeah, I mean, going backwards is just as important as going forward, right? Uh, uh, Randy, and Ray, 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 guess what? Guess what? One of your spirit names is on the out on the cosmos, Randy. It's actually Ray. Your parents almost got it. <laughs> And that's okay. They know you as Ray out there. You're a Ray light. And yeah, look at the um, old technology of people connecting to the earth as well. In this day and age, you can, you know, I know, I know that, you know, you're, you're, you live, I know what state you live in. So that'd be a heck of a long travel, but um, internet, you can still check out, you know, the Anastasi and all those other cool people that, um, that did technological, wonderful things. And the Europeans, pre you know pre Columbus that came and used the Grand Canyon for for their uh, technological stuff which I could go on about for hours but I'm gonna stop there because <laughs> that's questions into aliens kind of cool stuff but that's a whole nother discussion. <laughs>
So thank uh, you for that question, Randy. I hope that that gave you some uh, gave you some traction. I hope that gave you some traction going forward. Namaste. Um, Lee Crandall Carter says, I would like to know if my dearest aunt Wendy has anything to say to her son, my brother, cousin, or me. Her name is Wendy what? Uh, just aunt, 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 aunt Wendy. Uh, can, Lee, can you tell me Wendy's name at birth? Not her married name, but what her name was at birth. If you, if you happen to know it, I'm trying to tune in, but there's more than one Wendy around you in your lifetime. Um, and there are two or three that are trying to come through. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and, I, and it would take a long time to talk about all of them. Wendy, you would think it was a franchise or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Crandall, that's her last name. Crandall, okay, Wendy, Wendy Crandall. Auntie, too, you have children coming in. All right, Wendy has, she's showing me a little bit, and she's showing herself as an older woman. All right, so I'm lots sorry, of- I'm sorry, she says, yes, she was Mary Carol Childress now. All right, so originally she was a Crandall, and that's fine. That's what we okay. want. Okay. All right. So they're showing me that she's showing up now as a older woman. She's choosing the white, silver, um, you know, sacred crone kind of look. And she said, she's, <laughs> she's laughing. She's, uh, she's just chuckling. She says, actually, my babies are just fine, and I know it. <laughs> she thinks it's funny that we would want to hear any kind of advice for him. Um, but she she is, but she says, but and she's backing up a little bit. She says, but I do want y'all to know that her family, you know, her children, you, her brother, whoever, she wants you guys to be reassured that she is perfectly fine. She is in no pain. She's very, very happy. And she's actually doing energy, helping uh, newer souls teaching them how to be babies, how to have baby bodies and how to deal with that, how to experience um, gravity and how to experience, you know, light hitting your retinas and keeping your heart and your breathing going all the time and letting, um, you know, chemobiology run your, you know, a human body for you and learning muscle bone coordination. And she's uh, having fun taking care of children to help you know, new souls to help them learn to be babies. But she is also learning on her cosmic job. She's also learning to take care of babies that die soon, such as uh, miscarriages or stillbirth infants that go, that try it and go, Nope, <laughs> I'm not going to do this. This is too hard. And they bail. <laughs> All right. And she helps those babies um, reacclimate to their spirit self and helps them also deal with the um, almost like the guilt and shame of of disappointing their mother and father, the humans that signed up to be you know the mommy and the daddy that they're leaving behind. Sometimes the babies feel guilty about, geez, I thought I was going to do a life journey with you, but turns out I'm not. <laughs> And so naturally, you know, mom and dad worry about that and the baby feels it. And so the, the baby soul, the soul has to has to reckon with that sometimes, not always. 
but uh, has to reckon with that. And she's learning how to deal with literally infants coming and going. Yeah. That's Infant perfect. souls. Yeah. So that's perfect. She had a miscarriage that really messed her up. Okay. That's, yeah, that would, that would, good. That would explain why she cosmically was drawn to just infant souls and babies that die. Yeah. Okay. Or babies that choose to die. Yeah. Yeah. So and she's, but she is extremely happy. Namaste. <laughs> yeah. She is extremely um, happy. Yeah. So, okay. Eddie, uh, so, Silvery, I want to make Edie, that's Edie, Edie Silvery. I did that before. That's all right. Uh, but uh, she said, how do I get that job? <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Lee has a question. Do Clay and I have the same daddy? Yeah. Uh, the, the universe says no. Um, I'm real good with yes, no questions, by the way, folks. If you if you have just a straight old yes, no question, I can, bam, I can hit it. Sometimes there's an explanation. But for some reason, Lee, the universe is really clear that you and Clay do not have the same father. And your father's Edie, might your fathers might be related, but they're not the same daddy. Yeah. Edie asks, Edie says, uh, missing Dave K. Any word from him? Hi, Dave. I met Dave, didn't I, Edie? I think I did. You, you've told me a lot about him in past in past in past years, I think. Or you showed me a picture of him or something years ago, years ago. But anyway, I'm tuning into that energy signature. If that's who I think it is. It looks like it's him. Lee is in, uh, wait a minute. What'd you say his name? His name, not Lee. What's his name? Dave K. Dave K. Okay. His, his name on the other side is not Dave. It's Lee. And it's, uh, Interesting. It's not spelled. David Crumbar. Yeah. Well, on the other side, they know that was that was his life as a human. His name is different on the other side, and he's in a meditative state. He's kind of um, in a cocoon, where he's. We would call it gestating, kind of. And ooh, I got a little hair sticking. All right. So, <laughs> um, he's kind of gestating, and he's in a deep, deep meditation, where. It has a lot to do with profound healing, and he's actually quite happy and quite comfortable. He's he's likening it to being in one of those sensory deprivation chambers, you know, where you float and the temperature and the sound and the you know white noise and everything. You have no sensory experience for relaxation purposes. It's like he's doing that, and historically, some people would call that purgatory. But really, it's just a break. It's just a stop. It's just not experiencing anything, so that you don't, so that you don't have to. And then later, he will process the baggage and the damage and the glory and the successes that he had in this life. Right now, he's kind of in a stasis, you know, almost a homeostasis, except for he doesn't have a body. <laughs> But he's he's putting out the signal that he's actually quite content, but he absolutely is doesn't want to deal with anything right now. And he's he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. And and, and he knows that my nose is tickling, which is. Yeah. A <laughs> so um, he, he appreciates anybody checking in on him, but he he's actually he's, very, very asleep. Yeah, he says it's a perfect uh, development stage for him and she's happy. So that's good. 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 Um, 
He's going to come out. He's going to come out bigger and better, like a big old butterfly when he's done. So, and you'll know it. He says he'll he'll send you signals. He'll let you know when he's gotten all glorious. Ooh, <laughs> you'll know. Yeah. yeah. Angie asks. I was wondering if you had any messages from my brother. Oh, I love your brother. I remember him. He was awesome. Um, and I remember uh, when he passed as well. Woo. All right. <clears throat> Some reason your brother has an affinity for battlefields and he's showing me what he's been up to lately. And he's basically been visiting battlefields. I don't know this first fact, but it seems like he's kind of going through old memory files of himself being a soldier or a general or a tactician or a medico okay apparently he's done all these a medico a flag bearer a bugler a music a a, 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 a doctor um you know a, a lieutenant a general a secretary uh so you know ammunitions and supply as well as a gunner and or driver all those he's done all those he seemed to enjoy the medico jobs the most he thought it was funny as hell that he made one guy look like a mummy it was a practical joke of some sort I don't know if that was this life or another one, but he literally wrapped up his buddy completely in bandages just to be a smart ass. <laughs> and it to make sense what you're telling her. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it was his idea of a macabre practical joke. I love this guy. <laughs> and um, he's revisiting battles and he seems to be right now. He's showing me the energy of like the American revolution and the civil war and we're talking cannons and bayonets and stuff like that. So airplanes and modern munitions had not been invented yet. Uh, musket balls and things like that. But it's an EMT and a firefighter in this life. <laughs> yeah, he is carrying on his old truth. He's yeah, he's carrying that tradition on from several lifetimes. He loves putting human bodies back together, but he likes doing it in a front front line first responder sense rather than being a surgeon, although he would be a very good surgeon if he, if he chose to do that. But right now he's visiting old um, stomping grounds that, um, that apparently he used to work on, and it gives him good memories. He remembers the successes. The battlegrounds don't mean the same thing to him that they do to the general public, all right? Everybody else sees it as places where people die in conflict, he saw it as rescuing people, rescuing person after person after person and feeling like the hero there, you know, picking up live, you know, suffering, but live people. And, you know, thank God you found me and putting them up on the wagon and running forward and scooping somebody else up and putting them on the wagon. And the sense of relief that these living soul, injured soul, soldiers had that now they had another chance. They weren't going to die on the ground. Somebody gave a shit and came and got them. And that was your brother. So he's he's reliving the glory days, and I'll stop there. Namaste. <laughs> well, um, and if anybody's got any more questions, you know, go ahead and post them. But in the meantime, yeah. let's hear your story about Tweetsie. All right, this is a funny story, and I'm calling my mom and mom out on this one. But my mom was probably about 36 by this time. I was about no, no. She had me when she was 34, so I was about 35. I was little. I was real little. I didn't walk, uh, couldn't talk. I was maybe about six months 
Yikes, I was younger than that. All right, so I was about six months old. I'm trying, I'm remembering sequences. So this means it was about 1967, 1968 in Tweetsie. Tweetsie Railroad, if you don't know, is an entertainment park, a lot like Carowinds or King's Dominion or whatever, but it was much smaller. It was in the 60s. And their major feature was you could ride their old-fashioned steam engine with open walls in the summertime, and you could, and it's up in the mountains near Appalachian State and Boone and Blowing Rock. So you could ride this train and go, you know, weave around the, the rocks and trees, go up and over the hills. And they had Appalachian State students dress up as cowboys and Indians. And the Indians would come on horses. They would come running up to the train, firing their little fake guns and rob the, and the, and the, and stop the train. Very and politically incorrect. Very <laughs> politically incorrect. <laughs> extremely racist at this and point. My brother-in-law from my first marriage did that. He went to App and was one of the Indians. <laughs> yes. And the chicks did it too. They played the pioneer. You know, oh, you know, the, the steel magnolias. So the Indians, they stopped the train and the Indian actors went running up and down the main aisle. There's, you know, people sit on in chair, like on a bus. People sit on, well, like a modern train too. You sit on both sides and there's a main aisle and you can go from car to car to car and enjoy the breeze. Well, the Indians run up and the Indian actors run up and down the middle of the train yelling, you know, whoop, 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 with their little fake tomahawks and their makeup and shit. And, and they act like they, you know, they run up on each other and they run up on cowboys or little sheriffy guys. I should say sheriff because Appalachian didn't have any cowboys, <laughs> sheriff kind of guys. And, you know, they pretend to fight and pretend to shoot each other. And they would have little death scenes that, you know, shootouts that you could watch through the window of the of the train and the ladies acting like they're fainting and whatever, and dragging off the dead bodies, you know, fake dead bodies. So my mom and my dad took my brother and sister, who were five and six years older than me. So I was six months old and they were five and six. And my dad had my brother and my sister in another train. They, my brother and sister had gotten bored, so daddy took them for a walk further down the train because the train was now just sitting. And most of the Indians had already run down the aisle. So it was quiet time and something was slow out the window. It, what, nothing was happening. The five or six-year-olds wanted to do something. So my mom's sitting there holding, I should have brought a picture, um, was sitting there holding um, me in her arms. <clears throat> I was six months old. Bear in mind, my mother was an extremely good-looking woman. She looked like Elizabeth Taylor, but prettier. All right, she was really gorgeous, and I was a pretty damn cute baby myself. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of stories of me being gone for hours at a time because people thought I was so cute. You know, friends, they would pick me up and carry me off, or or clients or customers or students would pick me up and carry me off because I was a really friendly and really pretty baby. So um, my mom's holding it and an Indian young guy, an Indian comes woo, 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 down the aisle, stops, sees my mother with this six month old, cute little baby girl and goes, Oh, and holds his hands out to her. Can I have her? And my mother Handed me over. <laughs> 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 oh, 
This was 1968, 69, or 70, whatever. 1967, 1968. It was a time. She wasn't following oh. follow those stupid costumes. <laughs> no, she wasn't. Exactly. Oh, that's a good cover. And she handed me over. And he left. <laughs> the actor took me and left the train car. Out of sight. And as a teenager, she had told me this story a million times. And it occurred to me, that's not the safest thing to do anymore. And I said, Mom, can you estimate how long I was gone before? I said, did he bring me back or did someone else bring me back? She said, he brought you back. And I said, can you estimate how long I was gone? She said, oh, 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> I was like, really? So as I get older, and we laugh about it now. So as I get older and people talk about walk-ins, and body doubles and being snatched by ETs and replacements coming in. I'm like, hmm, I know a time that nobody can account for where I was for 20 minutes. <laughs> you changeling, you. I might be a changeling. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Wow, you would never do that. But in the 60s, you could. It wasn't a big deal. I'm How sure. I'm sure the Indian actor just picked up the really cute, pretty baby and took it to his girlfriend who was pretending to be a pioneer and said, Ooh, look at the cute baby. And they played with me for a little while and took me back. I'm sure. I'm sure that's Yeah. Uh, Edie says maybe he wanted to show off to a girl. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There you go, Edie. Yep. Exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah, babies are chick magnets among college kids. So yeah. And, and older. Yeah. It was a different totally time. Different. <laughs> um, Lee T uh, Tizer Olson, Margo, I keep seeing flashes of movement in my periphery lately. Yeah. Uh, is it eye problems or is this someone trying to reach out to me? It's it's both. <laughs> it's a problem if it bothers you. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's two things. Um, just to be just to be ethical, if it's interfering with your day to day activities, definitely go to get it checked out by a qualified physician, eye, eye doctor. Having said that, the energy that's coming off, and you and I have had a couple of profound conversations, mostly written ones on, you know, online privately, but we've, uh, but, you know, we went to high school together and all that good stuff, and we have mutual friends who are really groovy, so we, you know, we got to read on each other beyond just right now. And from what I know about what's going on with your own um, development, your, both your own spiritual and intellectual and professional development and what your occupation has been, they're showing me that this is you seeing into other dimensions. And they want me to tell you something that I don't say to everybody, but now's a good time. This, what you're describing is not an unusual symptom. I bet you almost everybody in this list can tell you that they're seeing stuff. I think, yeah, me and Iris have talked about that. Uh, she and I, you know, what, there she is. <laughs> I have talked about that. Um, <clears throat> that that happens, and it happens to me too. We're seeing um, flashes and bits of other dimensions in the periphery of our vision. Um, Randy Hobbs, matter of fact, had a really cool experience with that a couple of weeks ago. But it's not unusual. You're, those flashes are going to stay more and more, and you're going to start experiencing, and what I'm referring to is fourth dimension and fifth dimension. 
Right now we live roughly in third, fourth dimension. Um, there are lots of gurus and, and psychics that are telling us that we've actually shifted into the fourth dimension. And I believe it um, big time. However, that doesn't mean everybody is, uh, but that's another discussion. Back to you, Lee. Uh, you are seeing evidence of uh, fourth and fifth dimensional creatures. Well, not creatures, I shouldn't say that. Other human beings that are in other dimensions, that their dimension is temporarily running over yours. If you want to learn more about this in a concrete way, instead of me abstractly babbling about it, look up membrane theory. All right, membrane theory. And it basically it talks about the multiple dimensions are each individual little sheets of plasma and time and space and dimension, and they waffle around. And Literally, the fabric of life. <laughs> the fabric of life and the fabric of time, and sometimes they actually touch each other and even cross over. And, but they always pull back. So when they touch temporarily a little bit, that's when you accidentally see each other. This does mean that you exist in more than one dimension. And yes, this does mean you might run into yourself sometime in the future. Brain wrap that. <laughs> Very cool. That's weird. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Namaste Lee, thank you for asking. Yeah, and she said her eyes were checked this month and all is okay. It's not disturbing, it's pretty cool. We'll look it up. So good. Thank you. Good. Yeah. yeah, look up membrane theory, look up look up um, you know, fourth, fifth, yeah, third, fourth, fifth dimensional stuff. Or contact me and we'll talk about it. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have to wrap up soon, but my uh sister says, Have you ever been uh have you ever been asked or compelled to give a total stranger a message? I knew somebody was gonna ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that has happened, but it doesn't happen to me as much as it has happened to Iris. All right. What happens to me is other people's guides and intuitives will come up, will come around and tell me my person is really sad and needs you to reach out and treat them like a human. Give them a compliment, start a conversation with them, um, you know, pay for their coffee. Uh, you know, you know, uh, tell them their shoe is untied, you know, small talk, something. And I usually respond with what are they interested in or how should I do this without them thinking I'm hitting on them or being weird. And I let their, the guides tell me more about, well, come at it this way or that way, or she's hard of hearing in that ear. So go walk around to the other side and talk on this side you know, little things like that. And so that's usually what I say to the kind of things that I'll say to people. And I rarely tell them that their guides are telling me to do it. I usually don't mention that <laughs> to them. However, the other way around has happened quite a few times. Total strangers have kind of, I think I've mentioned this to you, Iris, total strangers have come up to me out of the blue on the sidewalk, and my husband has wish, witnessed this, and at least once, but about five or seven times, total strangers come up to me on the sidewalk, and they're grinning, and they're excited, and their faces are flushed, and they stand in front, they cut me off, they stand in front of me, and they go, excuse me, this is really weird, but um, is your name Margot, by, per chance? And I'm like, 
yeah, <laughs> it is. And they're like, oh, I know who you are. You might not know me, but maybe you do know me, but I know who you are. Oh my God, you look exactly the same. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and they're and I'm like, more? And they're like, oh God, you're gonna think I'm so weird, but I, I oh, oh gee, I should leave you. No, I gotta tell you, this is so cool. You look, you sound just like her. And I'm like, who's her? Long story short, every single one of them tell me the same story with slight variations. But apparently, my higher self, who looks just like me, and it goes by the same name, likes to go out in space or out in the cosmos and at night and act like a spirit guide to people. I actually go up, not me, my higher self will sort of drift into somebody's room that I'm supposed to help and I wake you up or I astrally project you, pull your astral projection out of your body. Voluntarily, it's not forced. <laughs> I tell you, we can do like something. Yeah. <laughs> Follow me and let's go play in the cosmos. I'm gonna show you something really cool. And I pull these pe people's energy out into the space, out into the cosmos. And we work on things such as, you know, a, a, you know, grieving over a dead dog or mommy issues or grandmommy or daddy issues or job issues or health issues, all kinds of different stuff. And I go out in space and take them with me and we go through a learning journey and then I bring them back to their bedroom and tell them, okay, get back in your body now, climb in bed, you know, go back to bed. And I've asked a few of them. Dude, that's cool. What do I look like? What do you see? What actually is in front of you? Is this a dream or what? And they're like, no, no. I wake up in bed and you're standing in my room like a freaking ghost. You're translucent. I can see through you, but your face, and I'm always wearing glowing long white robes. But apparently it works. <laughs> okay. So, all right, that works. So um, higher self Margot takes people out and the other interesting thing that they do that's consistent is when I put you back in your body everybody gets nauseated and tries to throw up <laughs> and I'm like oh god you poor babies what the hell but You're I did the research the uh, yeah bring it yeah I'm jerking them up so freaking high in the energy it's like a roller coaster or you know it, you know going through g-forces the vomit comet that it that you know astronauts have to learn. You end up throwing up, learning how to you know, deal with G forces. That's normal. And so when I bring you back, same thing. <laughs> Stop! And all this gravity comes back on you, and people get nauseated. Not everybody throws up, but sometimes they do. And that's across the board. Almost everybody gets a wee bit nauseated to completely nauseated when they get back to their body. But once that's over with, it's just a few seconds. A feeling whoosh you know but once the nausea that's the word is gone they feel tremendously better and that's why they're so excited about running up to me in the street and going <gasps> it's you is your name margo they a total stranger can identify me on the street that is so cool. that's how much i look like my higher self <laughs> i'm like wow that's cool i have no memory not one lick of what these people are talking about except for over about a 15 year period 
seven people have told me this story and none of them know each other. Wow. It's, it's just wow. And it's really cool. My husband got to witness one of them in Greensboro. Um, yeah, he didn't witness her ghost. About he 11 years ago. Like right, right. Yeah, he, went, <laughs> he witnessed a total stranger coming up to me all excited. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he stood there while she told her story. It was really cool. But, well, we're, we're like at 10.15 now. I'm so uh, surprised. Time anyway. flies when you have fun. Uh, Liz says uh, she wanted to give you a big shout out for being absolutely amazing and sending you both love. And you've gotten lots oh, of thank yous along the way. And, thank you. And You're welcome. We do appreciate everybody being here. And want to uh, uh, promote next week. We're yeah. Going, yeah our, our topic is going to be hello, H-E-L-L-O-H. O-H, the Hades that Dante built, myths, legends, and religious manipulations to control the general population with the threat of going to hell. So, <laughs> yeah, we're going to turn up the heat a little next week. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Let's let's get let's get nitty gritty on the other side. Yeah. Tis, the, is, tis the season, is it not, my dear? <laughs> You're right. Like you and I are the king of evils <laughs> or whatever gender. Yeah. <laughs> Satan. Um, <laughs> be gone. No, no. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Little is down fire in there. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do a whole episode of Robin Williams imitations, right? <laughs> what is that? Your turn. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, so we hope. That oh, thank you, Jane. Join us again. Yes. And uh, appreciate everybody being here. And yeah. remember, you can. Reach us if you leave comments with yeah. our videos, whether you're on YouTube or Facebook, or you want to post something on our Facebook page, uh, Eyes of Indigo. Um, you're welcome anytime to contact us. Uh, and we're getting and recommendations for guest speakers in the future. I've gotten two, two or three yes. so far. So yep. we're, yeah, we'll do. We'll, we'll uh, feel free to recommend or recommend yourself if you want to. Because yeah. we can we can triple screen split this too. Yeah, and we're just you know we're kind of building up. We've just we had a list of stuff, but we're going to be adding people and that sort of thing. So yeah, thank you everybody. Thank you for coming to play, everybody. We might. <laughs> my thought was is maybe we might do this again in the future. Yeah, and do another cool. and do another you know Iris episode and do another Margot episode, or yeah. we can tag team on people if you want to, Miss Iris. <laughs> oh, that would be cool too. I mean, yeah, yeah we, there are all yeah. kinds of ways of doing this. So, yeah. greatly appreciate everybody being here. Margo, thank you so much for a wonderful evening. You're welcome. Thank you, thank you. for having everyone. me. Namaste, everyone. Bye. Thank you for joining us for The Eyes of Indigo with Iris Carter and Margo Ross Sears. Music is Arcadia by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons. You can find us on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash Eyes of Indigo. Copyright 2020, Iris Carter and Margot Ross Sears.